0: where my handle is at Turkey Hitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode 85, Summer and Fall Planting for Wild Turkeys, with Scott Bronkema, and I am your host and the guy who much prefers to watch Women's college softball than Major League Baseball. I am currently enjoying the College World Series softball games that are on and actually enjoy that every year. It's always a lot of fun, and when it gets down to tournament time, there's no shortage of excitement. Even though my team is not in the finals this year, it is still fun to watch. So this week I've got a great show. I'm always Trying to figure out how to get more turkeys on my hunting properties and keep them there as well, and that is always a challenge. One way that you can keep turkeys on your property and be sure to do that year in and year out is to make sure that they have enough food, and that is exactly what I'm talking about this week with Scott Bronkema with Boneyard Seed in Michigan. So. I wanted to get with Scott and talk about some summer and fall plantings that we could be doing for our turkeys to make sure that we have enough food for them during this time of year. It's an interesting time of year for birds because a lot of the turkeys this time of year are not flocked back up. So you'll see a lot of single hens, maybe two or three hens together, And you'll see a lot of single gobblers as well. So it's a pretty neat time of year and about the only time of year when you will not see turkeys flocked up. So we want to be sure that during this time of year when the turkeys are a little stressed, the hens are stressed from having had a bunch of eggs and from having a brood of poults to raise and to keep safe, And the gobblers are stressed coming off of a mating season where there's a lot of fighting going on. And they've been hunted by every predator on the face of the earth, basically. So now's a good time for the turkeys to get calmed back down and get fattened back up and start to get ready for the fall and winter. One way that we can help them do that is by making sure that we're planting the right things for them to eat and planting things that will keep them on our properties instead of letting them wander onto the neighbor's property. So Scott and I are going to talk about that today. But before we do that, I want to read a review from iTunes. And Eddie Free left a five-star rating and a review. And Eddie says, five stars, great show. But I really enjoy the show and have learned a lot. But the audio on the interviews is not good when it comes to the guests calling in. I would suggest setting up a Skype account and have them call into that. I had to just stop listening to the last interview about hunting in different weather. It's just too bad sounding. Well, Eddie, first and foremost, thank you very much for taking time to leave a review and for leaving a five-star rating as well. And you are right. That interview with Preston Pittman about hunting in different weather conditions, the audio is bad on it. And I actually do have and use a Skype account. That is primarily how I interview and record the interviews with my guest. But I'm going to say this. The audio is hit and miss on a lot of these interviews because it's rare these days that someone has a landline. And it's rare these days that I can catch a guy like Preston Pittman or a Chris Parrish, or an Eddie Salter, who is sitting down at a desk. Because most of these guys are on the go, and they're on the go from daylight to dark. So I end up having to call a cell phone a lot of times. And where most of these guys live, which are in rural parts of the country, cell coverage is not all that great. So I try to make the best out of what I get in these interviews. And some of them I'm able to clean up a little bit, and some of them I am not. The interview with Preston, I actually tried to clean it up, and I'm not sure, but I may have made it worse by trying to clean it up. So I will get back out there and try to clean up that interview again and redo it. But my intern Cameron and I had a very difficult time with that interview. The audio was bad to start with. The content was so good that we had to run with it. I wanted to get it out there to you guys, even though the audio was bad, and I felt like we all could kind of struggle through 45 minutes or so of poor audio quality. But I'm sorry to hear that you could not, Eddie, and yes, that is something that is always a concern with these interviews, and especially when you get some of these big-name guys on And just getting a time scheduled with them is difficult. And then if you have technical difficulties with Skype or their cell connection or just my internet connection, whatever it happens to be, then it does make it a little bit more difficult and it makes it a little bit more touch and go with audio. But again, thank you very much. I appreciate any recommendations that you guys have on how the show can be better. And I always appreciate your feedback on iTunes. If you do have any kind of recommendations on ways that we can improve the show, email those to me, andy at iamturkeyhunting.com. Trust me, I will read every one of those emails that you send. Any suggestions that you have, I am open to because I want this to be the best hunting podcast out there. So, I'm moving on. One last time, Eddie, thank you for the review. I appreciate the five stars, and I appreciate you taking time to leave that on iTunes. If you guys would like to leave a review, you may certainly do so. I do appreciate that. Now, without further ado, here is Scott Bronkema with Boneyard Seed, and we're going to talk about summer and fall plantings for wild turkeys. I hope you guys enjoy the interview, and I look forward to seeing you on the other side. Hey everybody, I am glad to tell you that I have on the phone with me today Scott Bronkema, who is with Boneyard Seed Company in Michigan, and Scott is going to talk to us a little bit about some summer and fall plantings for wild turkeys. The last thing we want to do is have turkeys on our property in the spring, and those eggs hatch, The poults are out looking for a high-protein meal, which is usually insects, and they have to leave our property and go to the neighbor's property to find what they need to survive and to grow. And next thing you know, if the neighbor's got all of the stuff that turkeys love, like seeds and bugs and... The perfect kind of plantings then those turkeys are going to call the neighbor's property home and they're not going to like our property as much so we want to do everything we can to keep turkeys on our property and to grow big turkeys on our property and scott's going to help us with that a little bit today so scott how are you and where are you
1: i'm doing great thank you i'm in uh, in michigan near grand rapids about centrally located in michigan okay good
0: deal. How's the weather up there today?
1: Nice, nice about 65 and sunny and it's a nice day.
0: Man, I don't know what I would do for 65 (laughs) degrees right now. Oh yeah,
1: (laughs) you're probably long (laughs) past that. How are you down there?
0: Well, it's actually a little bit cooler today. We still have temps in the upper 80s but the humidity is next to nothing today so even somebody who is as hot blooded as I am can go outside and sit in the shade today and not sweat whereas (laughs) two days ago it was 94 outside and the humidity was I would say in the upper 80s about 80 85 it was it was brutal and so all I have to do is just think about going outside in weather like that, and I start to sweat. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it, we got a, a welcome little break in the humidity, and it's probably going to be our last So for, <laughs> for several months anyway. So I'm enjoying it. Oh, yeah, it. We're used to it, so, you know, it's just something we have to deal with.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, and you well know, we got to deal with the cold up here, so you know, we had that a couple months ago here, so yeah.
0: yeah, you guys had a snow around May the fifteenth or so, didn't you in April
1: in mid April, yeah. yeah, okay so that was, yeah, about a month and a half ago, we had right, snow on the ground then, so, yeah. yeah,, and there was yeah there was a spot in may that it, it snowed a little bit and never stuck or anything,
0: but kind yeah, it's. <laughs> That's Michigan, and, you know, I think I'll trade you those three months of high humidity for your five months of winter. (laughs) Oh, no, thank you. You can keep that for, yeah. (laughs) It's always fun to complain about it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, I've been doing a segment of the show that I call the Rapid Fire Q&A, and it's just a way for the listeners of the show to get to know you a little bit better. And what I'll do, if you're agreeable, is I'll put, a stopwatch to you and I'll run through 30 questions about turkeys and turkey hunting and fun stuff like that. And when we finish the last question, we'll see how your time compares with some other people that have been on the show and see if you can beat the current fastest time, which is Chris Parrish's two minutes and 8.96 seconds to answer 30 questions. Okay. Are you, are you game to play along? Sure thing. I'll give it a shot. All right. Okay. I like that spirit. I will start the clock on the first question, and pass is an acceptable answer, just so you know, because some of these questions you may not be able to answer just yet. So okay. I know that you turkey hunt there in Michigan and don't know how much traveling you've done to turkey hunt, so some of these questions cover some of that, and you can pass on those if you need to. Okay. Okay. How many full-bodied turkey mounts do you own? Two. How many turkeys did you kill last season? One. Diaphragm, box, pot and peg, or wing bone? Box. Wild turkey, grilled, baked, or fried? Fried. Wild turkey, on the rocks, neat, with cola or with water? Uh, Cola. Number of grand slams? None. Make of your turkey shotgun? Browning. The make of your favorite turkey shotgun shell? Uh, Winchester. Have you ever killed a bearded hen? No. Have you ever killed a Jake? Yes. Do you prefer a 10-minute successful hunt on a two-year-old bird or a four-hour-long hunt with a clean miss on a four-year-old bird?
1: Uh, the second one, the four-year-old bird.
0: Okay. Your favorite camo pattern? Oak. Wild turkey legs for dinner or for the dog? Uh, for dinner. More or less than five strikers in your turkey vest? Less. There are 30-mile-an-hour winds blowing at home the last day of turkey season. Are you hunting or sleeping in? Hunting. The state you killed your first turkey in? Michigan. The state you killed your last turkey in? Michigan. Sit in a blind for four hours and squeeze the trigger or run and gun for one hour and not shoot?
1: Uh, Run and gun.
0: Okay. Rios or Osceolas? Uh, Osceolas. Osceolas or Easterns? Um, Easterns. Easterns or Merriams? Easterns. Public land out west or private land in the southeast? Uh, Public and out west. All right. Two and three quarter inch, three inch or three and a half inch shells? Three inch. Four, five, six, or blended shot? Blended. Fields turkeys or woods turkeys? Woods. Pump or automatic? Pump. Shotgun scope, rifle sight, holographic sight, or beads? Beads. Rubber boots, leather boots, or snake boots? Uh, Rubber. You roost a bird this afternoon and it's pouring rain at daylight. Did you hunt? Yes. Favorite place you've ever hunted? Uh, Michigan. All right. I have two minutes and 52.81 seconds. So you're a little bit off of the record, which, by the way, Chris Parrish has just pretty much blown everybody out of the water. The only other person that's relatively close is Wayne Fears. But your two minutes and 52 seconds is a full 30 seconds faster than Eddie Salter. You are, Mm -hmm. ooh-wee, you are three-tenths of a second faster than Preston Pittman. (laughs) And let's see. Rob Keck has you beat by about 19 seconds. So you did really good. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. But I like doing that. It just gives us an opportunity to break the ice a little bit. And like I said, get people to, the opportunity to know you a little bit better because these interviews are so short. Just stuff that those are questions that I would probably ask you if we were sitting around the campfire having a glass of wild turkey with soda oh, and yeah. cola. So, oh, That's cool. But... That is not why you and I are talking today. You and I are talking today to talk a little about some farming, just not on a large scale. So we want to farm some wildlife. In particular, we want to farm for turkeys. So I know that there's a lot that goes into planting food plots for critters, for wildlife, that is beyond our control. But there are a lot of things that we do have control over that will help to maximize the effort, the time, and the expense that we put into these plots to grow plants for the animals that we want to hunt. Let's talk a little bit about that first. What are some of the things that we can do before we ever plant to make sure that we are getting the most out of our turkey food plots?
1: Probably the initial part is more finding the right spot on your property as far as the location and size, mm-hmm. two factors you want to think of mainly is for you know if there it's a good spot for the turkeys to be at and then and also considering the availability of what you can that grow there, you know because you got to think about the soils and the surroundings to make sure your plot's going to grow and you know, right. and you don't want to waste much of time there that's probably the main thing to get started before, and then of course seed selection as far as what yeah. you want to grow,
0: okay. Do you recommend doing any kind of soil test or anything like that as well? Oh
1: yes, you want you want that's a, once you find your location, you want to do a, a soil test. The main thing is on your soil test is the pH, which is uh, acidity of the soil. You want to be the ratings on that is it's on a scale from zero or one to fourteen, and seven being neutral. So you want to keep it from seven, between six and seven, so it's slightly acidic and then you don't and then once you go above seven it becomes alkaline so you want right. to keep it in uh yeah six to seven is preferred closest to six is fine it's good okay and, all right and once you once you have that that's like the main thing that's like the base for your whole pot because that's going to determine how much the plants are going to be able to utilize the nutrients in the ground if it's off then the plants won't be able to process any you could have as much fertilizer as nutrients as you can have on it and the plants won't be able to process it and slowly die off okay but,
0: and then... not every plant likes the same alkalinity though do they or the same it, ph it, it, yeah exactly
1: some some of the um, yeah it ranges anywhere from down in the fours up to just over seven seven to eight and okay most plants have a range if, if they grow in the lower parts in the the four to five range they'll still grow up to six or seven, you know, so you you have a range, you don't have to have an exact number, but most usually it's about a point off between four and five or six and seven, typically.
0: Okay, and that just, I guess, further drives the point home that the first thing we need to do is select a location of the plot, then next decide what it is that we want to plant based on that soil type that's in that plot. And then once we know what we're gonna plant, we need to start thinking about doing a soil test. And all of this needs to be done relatively far in advance before we ever get out there to throw seed, doesn't it?
1: Right. Yeah. Because once, even if, if your pH is off, there's products out there that you can change the pH. Most of it's on the lime base. Mm-hmm. Lime takes longer. There's new products on the market now that are a liquid that will, within a week, start working and raise, raise or lower your pH to where you need to be. So now it's a lot easier to manage your soil. So if your soil's a little off, it's not like a big problem at all anymore. So you can, with the new products out there, you can change it and to be able to pretty much plant what you want, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like the the new things out there now that probably help out in the food pot. To be able to manipulate your soil to accept
0: pretty much anything. That's pretty cool because I didn't tell you this, but I'm an old school farmer, meaning (laughs) that I've grown up in the city. I've been in the city my whole life, but my whole family... My mom's dad and my dad, my uncles and my aunts were all in the nursery and garden center business. So I'm familiar with a lot of this stuff. And, you know, having been a hunter my whole life, I've been exposed a lot to food plots and and making sure that those things are, are being done the right way. So I'm familiar with a lot of this. And when I say I'm old school, I had no idea that these new products were out. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, okay, lime is what we're going to use to adjust the ph and that that's going to take four to eight weeks to 12 weeks depending on what type of lime we're going to use to even begin to start working on the ph so that's really neat what are some of those products do you know that can um, you name some the, of those
1: specifically what i'm most familiar with i was first introduced to you, is deer grow they're out of um, the midwest uh, I believe Iowa, but they—I actually met them at ATA a couple of years ago, and they introduced me to it. And that's a the product that works great. It, and two and a half gallons is equal to one ton of ag lime. So holy cow! Yeah, again, you know, you kind of, you know, to raise your pH a little bit, you'd have to bring in a ton or two of lime, and now you can carry it in a two and a half gallon and put it out of a pump <laughs> sprayer if you like, or any type of sprayer. And <laughs> yeah, the drawback with them. There's a drawback. It's it's a more of a temporary, it'll last for a year to two and then you have to mm-hmm. fly again. Where ag lime is you know, three to four, you don't you don't put it out as much. But yeah. But it, it's, it speeds up the process. You can get point six, you can go from like five to point six within six weeks, I think they say it is. And then and that usually fixes any problems that you have. Yeah. So, and in the me- in the meantime you can, the plant can be growing. And so if if you have, yeah, so the the pH is actually growing up with the seed and then the plant. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I know that most of the country already has their summer food plots planted already. But for those of us in the South who have a longer growing season, Mm -hmm. there are quite a few of us who won't even really plant until the end of June, 1st of July, depending on what, what it is that we are planting. So for those people who still have, Or for those people who already have their summer plots in, we might be a little bit too late for them to talk about summer plantings. But the good news is these podcasts stick around for a while. So this content will be available for them to pick up later for next year and next summer for those plots. But for those of us who don't have our summer plots in, what are some of the best summer plantings that we can put out to help keep turkeys on our property and to keep our poults growing through the summer months?
1: Um, any of the grains, I like the grains for summer to get you up to, um, up until when you can plant your fall ones and that'll be but, like, if you get any, like, the, the sorghums or buckwheats, anything that'll seed out. And, yeah. uh, and the, the turkeys will like to get around in there and scratch them and, and go through the seed. Yeah. And that's probably the main ones, any of the grains. but okay. Summer's more of a limited time, you know, I believe. So it's if you want to get those in. And you want to get those can pretty much be planted as long as you're starting to get rain, keep getting rain, and, and it doesn't get too hot out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think we're past that too hot phase here in the South. (laughs) We're there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I know a lot of the guys that I know that plant the grains like corn and even millet for a dove shoot or plant sunflowers are really starting to get those in the ground now because what we found is that, yeah, if you're growing this as a true crop, you want to get it in the ground after the first frost. But if you're growing it to hunt over, then you want to get it in the ground at a time when there's still going to be seed on the plant when we can legally hunt. So right. for corn, these guys are getting ready to plant corn now and for their quote-unquote summer plots, which will actually be give them corn into the time of year when they can start bow hunting and, in the early part of gun season before the deer just slap, eat every single grain of it up. So those... Later plantings for us in the South are something that we have to think about a good bit, but those grains are are important, I think, for really keeping those turkeys around because they do rely on them so much. And for, you know, you're talking about summer plantings to take us through the summer and get us into a point where we start getting our fall plantings, which will take us in through the winter in the ground. And, you know, I think that a lot of people where we have the growing season that's so long, are using these summer plantings to roll over into the fall and, and hunt over that way. So a lot can be done, I guess, is what I'm saying with when these things are planted and, and used. How long typically will the sorghums last, the seed last, once that plant comes up and it's we knock it down for the quail and the doves and the turkeys to eat? How long is it typically is it going to sit on the ground before it's just they're just not going to pay it any attention anymore, and I know a lot of that has to do with snow and rain and that kind of fun stuff. But just on average, what do you think?
1: Yeah, a few weeks season? at least, up to a month. It depends on like a lot on the rain and how, you know, circumstances. And I think the a lot of it too is how much stays on the plant. If you get a lot of wind or yeah, or driving rain, it'll knock plants down faster, and, and they'll get into it quicker and and, and scoop it up, and then
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah, Yeah. it can last a different amount of time.
0: Yeah. Now, I know most of the plantings that we're going to do for turkeys are not just going to feed turkeys. They're going to feed anything and everything, just like yeah. what we talked about. The grains, if they're planted in the right area, can be flooded and you can hunt ducks over them. You can hunt quail and grouse and dove and whatever else over these grains. Of course, the deer are in them as well. So that's probably something we need to think about. As well, when we're thinking about doing these plantings for turkeys is what are, you know, to me, I'm always thinking turkeys. So any other game yeah. <laughs> animal is secondary to me. So I have to kind of step back a little bit and say, okay, most of the people listening to this show are deer hunters. And so what is it that's out there that will bring those deer in and then also be a good food source for the turkeys and help pull them in?
1: Yeah, and that's so a good, like and two. One thing to mention: a good summer one now, the chufa, or right. pronounced different ways. That's like a like a. I want to say one of the hotter seeds on the market now. It's just we're just starting to get into that now, which is it's planted about this time up until I guess depending on how far south you are, up for another month or so. And yeah. that's like an excellent turkey. It's it's that's one of those mainly for turkey. The deer will get into it a bit, and other animals. but That's like the turkeys. I guess go nuts over the, over that. Yeah, it
0: is crack cocaine
1: for turkeys. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, we're just right now we're just in the process of you know getting it just because just of that reason. Such a big we're getting so many people wanting it, and yeah. we're starting to stock it. Um, Do you
0: guys have wild hogs, feral hogs, where you no, are? No,
1: no, okay. we have a few. I mean, it's I've never seen one. There's they're around. I mean, like you might hear of a dozen or so killed a, a year around here, and, and mm-hmm. they're pretty much. Yeah, you can shoot on tight type thing just because they're just right. starting to get established here. And then of course, the state doesn't want them here. So. Yeah, but yeah. I know that's a big problem, especially for you guys down there.
0: It is, especially with chufa, the hogs. For people listening to the show that don't know what a chufa is, I'm going to let you explain it, Scott. But before I say that, not only are chufa crack cocaine for turkeys, but they're crack cocaine for wild hogs and for raccoons. And they are quite tasty. <laughs> if you've never had one, they're just a little bit difficult to clean and prepare to actually make something out of them. But if you ever eat one, you'll realize why turkeys and raccoons and deer and hogs like them so much. But explain what a chufa is for those people that don't know.
1: A chufa grows similar to like a peanut. It'll grow under the ground small in bunches, small uh, tubers. And... What happens is that yeah, they actually dig them up or scratch them up or pull them up, they get them out of the ground just in the, any way they can. And uh, I think in a nutshell, that's yeah. pretty much it. Like yeah. They're like, like you said, they're addicted to the, the turkey gets into them and they're addicted
0: Absolutely. We talked about some of the grains and getting those in the ground, but there are, are quite a few grains out there that don't do real well with drought and disease tolerance. Are there some grains that you can think of that would really be more hardy than others?
1: Yeah, like like the buckwheats, those are very hardy. Okay. And what they'll do is they'll get to a certain spot and it's almost like they'll just hop open and drop their seeds. Uh, cowpeas are nice, they're very drought hardy. Yeah. It's not that the turkeys don't. Get them as much as like the smaller grains, but they will, you know, once, they, once the seed pods mature and stuff, they'll, they'll get in those pretty heavy. And yeah. uh, chicory. Chicory, it's not a grain, but that's like a big draw for turkey.
0: Right. But, okay. And that's
1: the main one, dude, as far as drought. Drought ones, drought and plants is the top one, as far and then two to match it up with a with species that you want to hunt, especially like a turkey or something like that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now, let's talk a little bit about some of our fall and winter plantings what would you kind of recommend as far as planning for turkeys that will keep them on our property through the winter and keep them fed through the winter as well, and even last on into spring turkey hunting season? And to kind of add on to that question, can you tell us what other animals that that's going to help draw in and feed as well? I guess
1: my top one would probably be any, any, perennials. any of the that which would have to be planted in late fall down there You because you you're more adapted to the cool season. And that's your best growing time is it's cooler. And so if you get any of the, the clovers, alfalfas and mixed chicory in with them, that's like the top one, I, I think. And what those will last, depending on the maintenance you put out you, with the plot, you can, they'll last three to four years without, and they'll go, and once you get those established, they'll last all summer and fall. And all the way down there, all the way through the winter until the next season. Those are, I would, I like the Cranials myself. And again, that's like mainly the clovers and alfalfas. And and alfalfa is pretty drought resistant if you get the right, and and the same thing with the clovers. If you get the, you can get a drought resistant, more drought resistant, not (coughs) totally drought resistant, but more tolerant of the drought.
0: Yeah. Because there are tons of different varieties of them. Can you think of any of the varieties in particular that are more drought resistant that we might um, want to look at planting.
1: If any of the hardier ones, like the ladino, is a uh, is a white that's pretty. It's really
0: this as far as like
1: adapts to the soil better and it's hardy and takes cold or heat. And medium red clovers, I like them. And any of the red clovers, uh crimson clover, crimson, crimson yeah. clover is only uh, it's not it's an annual, it's not a perennial, but that's something right. that you can get started with. But yeah, my main ones are the, any of the ladinos are my favorite ones. Red. Okay.
0: All right, and then clover's pretty interesting because we have to be really careful about what kind of fertilizer we put on clover, don't we?
1: Yeah, the clovers are a legum. so what they do is they don't—they draw in nitrogen to the soil. So you don't put any nitrogen on them, unlike most most plants. But the first problem we see people have is dump a bunch of nitrogen that don't help. It's because they don't process it, and but they mm-hmm. take a lot of phosphorus and potassium. So those are the two things you want to use the most on, and just none of the nitrogen. It's actually though. Clovers are nice because they're a soil builders, too, because they're actually drawing in your nitrogen. So once you're done with the clover plot, you till it up. And it's an excellent plot then for any of your, if you want to plant corn or any of your grains in right after that. Because your soil is going to be all, you know, more rich with nitrogen and conditioned for the next plot.
0: Yeah, and I've never planted a true clover plot. Just clover by itself with nothing else. Generally, any clover that I've ever planted has been in some sort of a mix with wheat or rye or both. But a true clover plot, I hear, can be finicky to maintain and get the right way. Is that the case, or are there some clovers that are easier to work with?
1: It's, it's all in the mix of the clovers. Like, I always have one one of my plots is always a pure clover plot. Every, you know, I rotate them just because they aren't off all... Up here, it's all summer. We, it doesn't get. To, it, they'll stay green through the winter, but they're underneath a couple feet of snow, so it doesn't help a lot. But, right. But once you get them established, they're they're actually actually pretty tough to get rid of. It's just to uh, get that, the real hardy ones. Like I said, there's a... Again, you jump back to the dinos, and there's a, a kupu too. that's like the top-of-line one, and they just take a lot of use, a lot of grazing. Um, they'll actually even... if It gets really dry out. They'll go dormant. We've had a classical go dormant a customer last year. He had his whole plot accidentally uh, sprayed with Roundup by a neighbor because they mm-hmm. thought it was, they were in the wrong spot, and so it killed it. And then this spring it came back just as lush as ever. So they will wow. take a lot of abuse. And a couple weeks ago, a Missouri plot flooded for three weeks, and the guy was all in panic because it just started looking nice. And I told him, well, let's wait and see once once the, the water goes away. We'll see, see what he got left and we'll go from there. And week after it went away, it was all back to lush. There's a couple spots that didn't make it, but he's all set up still. So there's nice. a hardy, once you get it, the main thing is going to establish, and which I see is the planting time. If you get the the roots are, once you get the roots in the ground, they'll still will a it of that use. Okay. And, yeah, and they're just great for, that's an all-around species, I should say, animals who like it. I mean, deer or deer love it, of course. Turkeys are in there all the time. And what I do, one thing I do a lot is, like, the, I like the chicories. I know something about chicories with me. I'll use it, I'll sprinkle that in to my culvert plots. You can pretty much put it in any plot, and it just kind of gives it an accent, you know, to, if the animals are in there, that gives them something else to, to eat while they're in there.
0: Right, which is really important because a lot of hunting clubs, here in the south will go out and plant the exact same planting in each one of their food plots for their fall or winter plots that they're planting. And you know, a deer and a turkey doesn't necessarily want to eat the same thing day in, day out. So just like you and I don't want to do that. So yeah, I think having some mix in there is good if you're not just planting a different type of seed in your different plots around the property. I think those mixes work pretty well but and it also gives you the opportunity to have some of those plants come up at different times that are that deer and turkeys prefer at different times of the year if you do a true you know if you do a mix in your plots themselves but yeah deer are crazy about clover mm-hmm. there's no doubt about that I have a little piece of property south of Birmingham where I occasionally deer hunt and one of my neighbors there planted a clover plot and the deer were just living in it. They're you know, they were bedding down in it and eating and it was insane at the number of deer that were using that clover plot. Oh I yeah. can't remember what kind it was he planted, but yeah, that that was it was pretty interesting to see and here I am planting a mix of wheat and rye and a little bit of clover and was not having Near the number of deer in my plots as he was having in his, right. so
1: and it's, yeah. A big thing with that is to mow to mow the clover, and it's a tough thing to do. I do it every. I mean, I always do it because you have a you know great stand of clover and you just run a mower across it and you know mow it down. Mm-hmm. and that actually helps it out a lot it's just like your yard uh, for grass if, if you don't mow it it just gets to a certain height and it's, it's going to eventually die out you have to keep it mowed and then and what it does is it promotes all the new growth and that's what animals like the deer and the turkey the turkey will that's what brings the turkey will hit it a lot harder once you mow it because they're pulling those new sprouts out and when you mow it it kind of stirs up any bugs or anything they want to come yeah. scratching at the same time so that's a, the one thing I tell all my customers just make sure you mow it' weird the mow it now, but it'll come back and then it comes back better in time.
0: Okay, and that mowing, I'm assuming, needs to take place in summer? I
1: just, if you want to do the first one early, if you have it, say, if, it's, if your plot the been in for the year. Um, down in the south, you want to do it March, and the March, once it gets 10 inches will put high you just go ahead and mow it and then again once you'll start seeing the blooms come out in the spring they'll start flowering i mow it then and, but then it'll flower again in the fall this is like the key to it let the flowers turn brown they're almost black they'll turn and what, what it has actually that all those flowers are now seed pods that's where they get the seeds. so then if you go through and mow at that time once they turn black you're actually reseeding your whole plot at that time and okay then it just starts it all over again
0: yeah Okay. So the first the first time they come to seed, March or April, May to June. If you're going further north, mm-hmm. mow it and then let it come to seed in the fall. Let the seed die. I mean, uh, let it flower and come to seed, and then mow it after those seed heads turn. Right. Okay. Exactly. Pretty interesting.
1: And that, yeah, and that's the, the two main ones, John. You, you can do it anytime in between
0: if you see it getting tall.
1: It's not going to hurt it. But, I mean, I, some people, I've heard of people doing it every week, which, in my opinion, is to the extreme. But I like to get it, let it get up at least foot or two high, depending on, okay. you know, the growth rate. So. And
0: there's... I'm assuming there's probably no real benefit in doing it every week. You're just trying to keep that height down and keep the new growth coming up. So probably right. there's no benefit in doing that every week, is there?
1: No, in my opinion, no. A lot of people like it because the new growth, new growth has more other proteins in it as it's, as it's growing. So mm-hmm. that's that their theory behind that, but. I've seen them mow it too much where it starts to get burnt. Because if you mow it and it don't rain for a week or two, you know, you can burn it similar to a yard. You know, think of it as a grass. So if you mow your yard every day really short, it's not going to do well either.
0: Okay. All right. Are there any other plantings that you can think of that we need to look at for turkeys and consider for turkeys?
1: We'd have uh, forage turnip. Yeah, we, mm-hmm. it's mainly we had it for deer. It doesn't have a big ball. It doesn't have the big ball of like your, you know, your conventional turnip. It's right. basically just leaves. And we sell a lot in Tennessee and down there that they say the teach, uh, turkeys come in and just hammer it in the ball. They have problems. You know, the guys are playing it for their deer and the turkeys come in there and for some reason are just in it all the time. We've had wow. little pot wiped out by turkeys. You know, I, the first couple of guys I thought, you know, I thought maybe they were nuts or something. or <laughs> so, you know, some deer come in there and hammer it in the middle of the night or something, but, yeah, no, they swear by it. The turkeys just come in there, and they're always in there. So we hear that quite a bit. And, and other than that, the grains. Like I said, if you get any of the grains, even if you go up to peas, peas are good. Mm-hmm. It's something, you know, they're, they're, they like seed, you know, so anything that's going to grow a seed, it's it's going to more than likely benefit turkey. You know, and, and like I said earlier, the main thing is trying to time it for what you want it for, whether it's to hold the turkeys on your property or to hunt over, and so you want to time it for what time of year that the particular plant's going to mature out and be at the point where the turkeys are going to like it at that time. Right. So, yeah. Like oats. Oats are a good one. They're simple to grow, and in turkeys, like up here, especially turkeys, annihilate the oats once they once they head out. They're they're in the oats every day. So
0: yeah. And okay. Yeah, that's, those are pretty
1: main ones.
0: As as far as Planting some of these grains and leaving them standing until we can actually get to that point to where we can hunt them, hunt turkeys legally. I asked you about how long a grain's gonna be okay laying on the ground, but I know we're gonna get a little bit more time out of it if the plant's still standing and the grain's still on the seed head. But are there any grains that are gonna hold up better that way? I would assume corn would be one. Yeah.
1: Anything with a but, strong yeah, you know, like sunflowers. Anything with the, the uh, larger yeah. stock. I mean they make yeah, they come up with so much new stuff now. They like they have like a dwarf horn, where the cobs actually grow close to the ground. They use them for duck hunting quite a bit, and you have been hearing people wanting to plant those for turkey just because co you know they don't have to wait for the stalk to tip over or anything like that.
0: Yeah, so I need the larger,
1: the larger grains that are going to with larger stalks are going to stand up, last the longest once they they mature.
0: Okay. All right. Well, that's good info, and you know I talk about so much of this in the respect of spring turkey hunting but food plots are a great place to catch birds in the fall to have a fall turkey hunt as well so you know these clover plots and these grain plots are fantastic places to fill a tag and put a turkey on the table for Thanksgiving so we need to keep that in mind as we're planning our plantings but Scott Man, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to chat with me and talk a little bit about some different things out there. And, you know, this is what you said I think really hits home in the respect that the agricultural industry is changing constantly. There's so much money and so much energy and effort being put into research to come up with plants that are more disease tolerant and more drought tolerant and insect tolerant. And so we're getting all of these new varieties of these plants that we've that have been around for thousands of years. They're just being genetically modified and improved in the respect that they're a lot easier for us part-time farmers to grow. So, you know, I think that you taking time out of your schedule to talk to us about some of these things and, you know, bring some things up. That I haven't even really thought about because alfalfa is not something that typically is going to do well as far south as I am, or at least in years past. But there's getting some more heat tolerant varieties of alfalfa out there, and they're really these researchers are doing a lot of good work, and so you know, I think that. For anybody listening, if you're stuck in the rut of planting the same thing that you've been planting for the past 20 years, it might be time to give Scott a call and talk to him and see if he can, you know, maybe give you some ideas of some different things that you can plant to bring some turkeys in and hunt those brown things with the white tails in the fall and winter as well. And so Scott, I appreciate you taking time to do that. Tell us a little bit about your company and what you guys have going on right now and tell us how we can get in touch with you if we have some questions about what grains we might want to plant or legumes or whatever else we might want to plant for our turkeys.
1: I mean, you're welcome to call me anytime. You'll find my number. It's actually my direct cell phone number. It's right on our website, boneyardseat.com. And even our website has a lot of information. You know, we're still working. We're always improving our site all the time, trying to keep up with the times and everything. Mm-hmm. And like our, our, our door is always open. You can call any And I can't guarantee I'm going an to answer every time, but I'll, we'll get back to you. And I'd love to help. You know, I got into this more just to help people out. When I started out, there wasn't a whole lot of, people i could talk to and ask you know as far as more towards the, the food plot end for the wildlife i grew up on a yeah. small hobby farm so i knew about the planting part it's more about what to plant when to plant and that type of stuff so I'd like to help people out and and my best time of the year is in the fall when. Or any in the springtime when people are turkey hunting, have customers text me a picture. Hey, I just got this, or thanks for the pot, or or something like that. That that makes the whole part for me. And yeah, I mean even in any questions you may have, if I don't have the answer, I can get it pretty quick. We have a, a a lot of guys that. We can bounce questions off, and you usually can make them answered one way or another. So okay. I don't know at all, but I try to keep up on as much as I can, as fast as I can. But like you said, times are changing fast. So like sure are like, sure are.
0: And just because you're north of the Mason-Dixon line doesn't mean that you only <laughs> do business north of the Mason-Dixon line either. You do ship
1: yep. north, we'll south, ship east, everywhere. west yeah we ship all over the continental united states guys anything from like anything on our online our website's always free shipping we have custom seed blends anything you if you have something particularly you want mixed up we're happy to do it for you and we ship it out so we ship a lot down south We ship everywhere a lot out east west like you said north and yeah. very easy to get shipping we like to think we have one of the faster shippings. Usually orders process within a day or two, and we it's two to three day shipping everywhere. So, we I'm a hunter, so I know how impatient we all get when you want to get something to the ground. So, <laughs>
0: <you> know, we,
1: <laughs> we get guys all the time, they want to get planted by the weekend. So, it's Wednesday today, so if we'll I get the call. So, but well, we try our hardest
0: to get everything out, to reach out to everybody and
1: keep everybody happy. Yeah. You
0: know, we like happy customers, and we'll do that. We'll do anything in our power to do that absolutely those seven day forecasts can be a hunter farmer's best friend and worst enemy at the same time because when you look at that in the south we have a tropical storm coming and we're going to get two inches of rain or something like that over the next three days i need to get my seed in the ground and then you realize i don't have seed and it's going to take a week to get it in i'm going to miss the storm that kind of stuff can drive you crazy so yeah having quick shipping with what you do can be a big benefit and i follow you on social media and i see a lot of pictures that you post of your and forgive me if i get the name incorrect but is is it bucks and beards blend yes yeah yeah
1: that's a clover and chicory blend it's a, okay yeah it's a mix of red and white clovers and chicory that, That's okay, prepare top seller especially yeah pretty much their top seller all the way around because it's good for be a lot of turkey hunters as, as well as deer hunters. So that's our, yeah. and it took a few years to get that thing just tweaked right, but using myself, so, and anything pretty much that we sell, I either use in my plot or I, I have used, so I make sure if I'm not going to use it, I don't want to sell it to somebody. So.
0: Right. So are some of these pictures that you're posting on Twitter coming from your game cameras on your plots? Most of them are
1: now. Yeah, this time of year, wow. I, I, keep, I keep my plot, my cameras out pretty much all year long and because I want to catch them as they're shedding their antlers, as long as well as when they're growing and of course in, in the spring for all the turkeys coming in yeah so yeah a lot of them are mine. in the next couple of weeks we'll probably be getting a lot of the customers sending they'll, they'll send me pictures or want yeah, me people's pictures for them so I'll yeah appreciate that but yeah all of them are any of the pot
0: pictures are out of our plot so kind of keep. looks like you're gonna have yeah. some some big ones there this year
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it took a while Yeah, we got some some familiar ones in there. I've got a couple that have been in there for three, four years now that I can tell. That and they just kind of, and again, it comes That's that, the nice thing about food pots. So, hold your deer, or your turkey, or pretty much most of your animals that are, are going to be in the food pot or are going to hang around there eventually. And, they, and right. they
0: just get, it becomes a
1: habit for them to, a place for them to come visit. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's a nice tool, you know, to have within your. In your toolbox for hunting there, so
0: yeah. As long as we're not harassing the animals and running them off all the time, then they will definitely be there.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the trick is to get you know get in and out quietly, and yeah, you know, we had a couple of hens in there. We had nests alongside the plot this year, and we just kind of work around that, and we'll be back again. see Yeah.
0: Together. So, where can we find you on Facebook and Twitter? Do you know, um, we're there? on
1: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Pretty all of our. Social media sites are uh, Boneyard Seed. If you type in Boneyard okay. Seed, you'll find us on or, yeah, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram,
0: uh, LinkedIn. You We're know, pretty much on all of them. All right, great. So, I know yeah, some of the listeners yeah. would want to see some of those pics you've been posting.
1: Yeah, please follow us on there. Love the, I love, always love talking to people and seeing what they're posting as well. and It's just a nice connection So just being a, a company selling stuff. So we'd really yeah. like to keep it more personal. Good deal.
0: Scott, thank you again so much. I really appreciate it. And I will be in touch with you i'm going to check out that bucks and beards blend and i might be ordering a few bags of that for myself and seeing what we can do with it. Well, great. Well, good deal. With, I certainly appreciate you so much, and I will, like I said, be in touch with you, and maybe we'll do this again sometime in the not-too-distant future.
1: Anytime. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me on defense Yeah.
0: Glad to do it, and yeah. good luck. Don't work too hard you through too. the summer.
1: <laughs> Try not to. You kind of got to you know make hay when you can so yeah we have a, of a couple of, one good thing about it we're kind of slow during the, the hunting season so as long as the yeah. southern people don't bother us too much but, you know, <laughs> get <a lot> <laughs>
0: which is a good thing yeah give you a chance to get in the woods and take advantage of those plots that you have
1: we will do That's you good.
0: too all right thank you scott have a great day thank
1: you thank you sir. you too
0: all right goodbye thanks Bye. Okay, I hope you guys enjoyed that and were able to pick up a few things you didn't know and get some ideas of some things that you may want to plant on your hunting property this summer and this fall to try to keep the turkeys there. It sure makes it easier to kill turkeys when you have turkeys on your hunting property. So, Scott, thank you for taking time to come on the show and for sharing your knowledge with us and if you guys need any kind of seed like scott said he can ship that anywhere in the country so don't hesitate to give him a call and see what he can do to help you out and if you catch him at the right time and he's not slammed you might even be able to trick him into making some suggestions for you so that is all i have for you guys this week but before i cut you loose just like last week there's four things that i would love for you to do number one please forward like and share the show on social media number two please subscribe to the show subscribing is free and you'll be notified when the most recent episode is uploaded number three please tell a hunting buddy about the show spreading information about the show via word of mouth is a huge help and number four please tune in next week for another great episode of the turkey hunter podcast thank you guys so much for tuning in this week i know that you have choices i appreciate you spending your time with us i hope you have a wonderful week and i look forward to seeing you again next week goodbye thanks for tuning in you were just listening to the turkey hunter podcast if you enjoyed the show please go on over to itunes and leave a five-star review